Hi, everyone. This is Aaron Larson, executive editor of Power Magazine, and you're listening to the Power Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Hudson Gilmer. He is the CEO and co-founder of Line Vision. So, Hudson, thank you so much for joining me. Please tell a little bit about your company and, and what you guys do. Thanks so much, Aaron. Real, real privilege to be on the show here. So, Line Vision is a grid technology company that is working with leading utilities around the world to solve some of the most critical challenges they're facing. What we have developed is a platform that uses advanced sensors and analytics to increase the capacity, the resilience, and safety of our electric grid. From what I understand, I've, I've seen these uh, this equipment mounted like on transmission towers, and it, it kind of, I guess, senses the movement of lines. Can you talk a little bit about how it works? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, what, what may be surprising to many of your listeners is that these high-voltage lines, these transmission lines, and even uh, distribution lines that really form the backbone of our electric grid are not monitored today. Uh, utilities have invested, invested a lot in technologies that, that monitor equipment within their substations, but one of the last frontiers where, where they don't monitor the condition of their grid is the overhead lines. So what we have developed is a, a non-contact sensing technology that, as you said, it, it mounts on the tower and it uses two sensor types. One is a, an EMF or electromagnetic field sensor that allows us to capture all of the electrical properties of the line, such as the loading. So how much power is flowing through. And then the second technology actually is LIDAR. So it's the same technology used in autonomous vehicles, which is looking up and, and measuring precisely the position of each of those conductors, each of those wires hanging in the air. And it allows us to detect where they are in space, how low they're sagging, or even, even if, they're, if they're not where they should be. And, and all of that data is then brought into our systems and, and into our cloud infrastructure to um, transform into actionable information that helps utilities unlock additional capacity on their lines, uh, detect anomalies that may represent risks to public safety or to grid reliability. You know, think of some of the uh, uh, devastating incidents we've had recently, such as the California wildfires and, and the uh, uh, Hurricane Ida coming through New Orleans and, and um, even, even the Texas freeze. And, and finally, we can also help utilities understand the condition of aging lines and, and whether they need to be prioritized for repair or replacement. It's really interesting to me to think of, you know, monitoring these lines and basically what you're doing is, is just determining how much change there is under different circumstances and how much does a line move, you know, and is it based on the temperature of the, the conductor? So if it's hotter, obviously, metals expand, would it then sag more? And if it, in, in during colder weather, it, it shrinks and, and kind of gets tighter. It, how much movement do, do you actually see and how accurate do these, these sensors have to be? 
Yeah, great questions. Um, and, and, you know, so a casual observer, as you're driving down the highway, you don't really think these, these lines move very much. But for, for, a, for a typical transmission line, the, the difference in the sag of the line can be several meters. And, and it's exactly what you said, where just do the physics of these conductors, a hot conductor will sag more than a cool conductor will. And what we're doing with these sensors is taking advantage of the fact that even a modest amount of wind cooling the line allows utilities to safely put much more power through them than they would if they weren't monitored and they had to make essentially worst case, very conservative assumptions about the conductor's temperature. So this allows us to unlock up to 40% additional capacity on existing lines. And that really addresses one of the most important obstacles to a clean energy transition, and that is increasing capacity on the grid. As, as your, your listeners may be aware, you know, there have been a number of studies, including one from, from Jesse Jenkins and the Princeton Andalar Center, that have said that if we're going to be successful at achieving a zero net carbon grid by 2035, we'll need to double grid capacity in the next 14 years. So in other words, we need to build as much capacity on our transmission grid as, as we've built over the last 150 years in 14 short years. Hmm. <laughs> and, and so we believe really the only way to have a shot at achieving those incredibly important but aggressive goals is to get as much capacity out of the existing wires as we can through technologies like line vision. Yeah, I mean, that makes great sense. If you can monitor the line more accurately and then allow it to use and transfer more power, it's a great resource to tap into. You you mentioned, you know, just the wind blowing past it can, can cool the line and, and add that extra capacity. Are there other factors, like when there's a wildfire, for example, you brought up the California wildfires, does that actually add more heat to the lines where, where maybe that would limit how much you could pass through those? Well, I mean, so, so wildfires happen for a variety of reasons, and some of them are doing damage to the conductors because of the heat underneath, but others are in fact caused by unmonitored lines um, caused by these assets. Mm. And, and the biggest utility in California, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, is, is now in bankruptcy largely because of the fact that a number of, of their lines ignited wildfires. And that can happen, for example, when there are strong winds, which cause typically for a high voltage line, you'll have three conductors that may be either vertically or horizontally spaced apart. But when there are high winds, those those conductors can come close together and actually touch and and uh, spark and drop molten metal to the ground, which can ignite uh, dry dry timber underneath. So our our sensor technology, one of the capabilities, is that we can continuously monitor the interconductor spacing, the distance between those conductors, and even the distance between the conductors and each other or the conductors in the ground. And we can 
alert our utility clients when there are dangerous situations again that may may represent may pose a risk for for wildfire and and conversely we've we've used the same what we call digital twin technology also to measure ice building up on lines in in colder climates this can be equally devastating when uh, the weight of of ice building up on lines can actually uh, cause destruction of the towers mm. and, and collapse of these lines. And when I think about all of the transmission lines that are out there crossing the country, you know, obviously it's miles and miles. How often do you need to have a sensor installed in order to basically monitor that line? Are you talking, you know, every five miles or is it longer than that or does it depend on the circumstances and and the basic geometry of of the towers and where they are headed how do you determine how many sensors you need it's a great question so so for most applications we will install a system every approximately three miles two to three miles it, it does depend on terrain it depends on the number of changes in direction um, but we're able to we don't need to install a system on every tower um, we can take advantage of the fact that these conductors share tension across each span of what's called a stringing section <laughs> and i don't want to get too too technical here mm-hmm. but uh we can characterize the the temperature of the entire stringing section or the the maybe three mile length by monitor by a single monitoring system. And I know you've done some work. Uh, I think we've written stories about it where you've been working with the Electric Power Research Institute and other utilities to kind of prove these technologies and, and basically understand how beneficial they can be. Can you talk any about uh, the research that's been done behind the scenes? Sure. Yeah. So we've we've done a lot of work. Some of it uh, together with EPRI. Some of it with with DOE projects. Um, we did one recently that was uh, DOE funded together with XL Energy out in Colorado, and um, you know, and, and we're really fortunate to have a number of of great utility clients and and uh, utilities that are really recognized as as leaders in the industry. Um, that and that includes National Grid, it includes Dominion, it includes Excel, it includes Duquesne uh, Energy in, in uh, the Pittsburgh area, um, Sacramento Municipal Utility District. And, and there's, there's a number of new clients who I'd love to talk about, but unfortunately, we haven't yet issued the press releases, and so I, I can't yet talk about them. But actually, one that we, we announced recently that you may have seen is Maribami in Japan, who's been a real pleasure to work with. Yeah, which is another interesting footnote. I guess you're working all around the world on these types of projects. Are, are there other countries that you're also involved with besides Japan? Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we've done work in, in New Zealand. We um, have a number of projects in Europe, um, in uh, Austria, in Slovenia, in Greece, um, in Hungary. Um, we have a project in Germany. We we have, yeah, more again, I need to be careful that I'm not announcing some that, that, that are not yet public. But sure. uh, but the reality is that, that this is it's a need worldwide as 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 utilities try to connect more renewables to their grid 
Traditionally, the only way to expand grid capacity was by very capital-intensive, costly projects that take five to 10 plus years to, to build new lines or upgrade existing lines. And, and what, what we represent here is, is really a new model for how to expand grid capacity by deploying advanced sensors and analytics to get more out of the existing wires. And so, yeah, we, we believe it's really a matter of time before this becomes industry standard practice. And as you know, you know the, the, the utility industry, for very good reasons, is conservative about adopting new technologies. And so they, they go through a lot of diligence trying to make sure that uh, the data is accurate, that they're not risking uh, the reliability of the grid in any way, that it's not compromising cybersecurity. So the Line Vision team has, has invested a lot in working with our utility partners on, on those fronts. But we're really starting to see a, a strong tipping point around adoption, not just here in the U.S., but, but around the world. And how do you tie the analytics into the power company? Do they get these signals through wires or, or is there like some sort of a, a cell network that, that then feeds these into a, a control room where they are monitored and, and basically observed? Yeah, really good question. So, so we try to make this whole solution as as turnkey as possible and as easy for our utility customers to implement as possible. So that we take care of everything from the 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 design of the systems to the the guidelines for installation to the the solar panels that power them and the batteries to the communication network. Um, typically, we'll use uh, cellular LTE data networks to, to, to bring the data into our cloud where we're transforming that raw sensor data into the analytics that, that, that our utility customers can use. But we've also taken care to make sure that nothing touches the public internet, that it's, it's, it's all private communications from end to end. And, and one thing I'll just add is in, in some places, we, we've also installed in a number of fairly remote areas where there aren't cell uh, networks in place. And so we can use satellite where necessary there. Mm-hmm. Are there different sized lines that you would use this system on and others that you would not? For instance, you know, most of our high voltage uh, AC lines, I'm guessing this would be applicable to what would be the lowest voltage that you might see this used on? Yeah, so we, our system is a is agnostic in terms of the voltage that that it can be installed on. We've installed on everything from a 12 kV line up to 735 kV lines, so some of the highest voltage lines in, in North America. I'd say the sweet spot. You know, really, we do believe, as I said earlier, that that this will become kind of standard practice for utilities to to add monitoring to these incredibly critical assets. But often, the congestion, somewhat counterintuitively, is not on the very highest voltage lines. But due to the way that the grid is architected um, using what's called N minus one rules, uh, where the grid has to be able to withstand the loss of any single element, it's often 
not the high voltage line, but the contingent line that that has to back up that power in case the highest voltage line is lost. And so, you know, I'd, I'd say that many of the lines we install on are in the 69 kV to 230 kV range. I was also looking on your website, and obviously we're Power Magazine and we're covering the power industry, but I understand that you also have equipment that monitors pipelines um, specifically for corrosion and, and things like that. Can you talk any about that? Yeah, I'd be glad to. And, and this is an application that, that <laughs> candidly, we, we stumbled on because there was a, a, a very large and well-respected pipeline operator who approached us and said, hey, we've looked at your technology and we have this real problem with AC interference causing corrosion on pipelines that may run parallel to in the same right of way uh, to, to overhead power lines or, or may intersect with those lines. And, and so this is um, what we call our packed business, pipeline AC tracking. And it, it's, it's really, we think, becoming kind of the emerging gold standard for how pipeline operators get better information upon which to design AC interference mitigation systems and, and uh, monitor the, the corrosion risks for their pipelines. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Otherwise, I think uh, you've answered all of my questions. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe one other thing I would add is, you know, there was a study that was released recently by the Watt Coalition, and the Watt Coalition is an umbrella industry group representing uh, providers of, of grid-enhancing technologies that, that looked at the impact of these technologies, like power flow control, uh, topology control, and, and dynamic line ratings. And, and the study concluded that Together, these technologies can more than double the amount of renewables that can be integrated onto the grid. And I'm sure you and your listeners are aware, you know, in, in pretty much all regions in the U.S., we have interconnection queues. We've got hundreds of projects that are, are in limbo right now waiting uh, for additional transmission capacity to be connected to the grid. And, and really what, what this study demonstrates is that we have technologies to be able to connect these, um, these new projects, these new solar and wind primarily projects, much more quickly, much more cost-effectively. And, and that can really give us a head start, start towards achieving our renewable energy goals. Well, Hudson, thank you so much for joining me. Again, this is Hudson Gilmer, co-founder and CEO of Line Vision. You've shared a lot of great information, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron. It was a real pleasure.